Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 414, book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 36 through 40. Let's read our passage. If any man thinks he's acting improperly toward the virgin he is engaged to, if she's getting beyond the usual age for marriage, and he feels he should marry, he can do what he wants. He's not sinning. They can get married. But he who stands firm in his heart, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and has decided in his heart to keep her as his fiancée, will do well. So then, he who marries his fiancée does well, but he who does not marry will do better. A wife is bound as long as her husband is living, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to anyone she wants, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, in my opinion, and I think I also have the Spirit of God. Well, this is Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, written from Ephesus during the third missionary journey, about five years after the founding of the church in Corinth. That occurred during Paul's second missionary journey. There's problems in Corinth. There's divisions, people trying to make themselves out to be super spiritual, and there's a lot of confusion and bad theology. And Paul's writing this letter of correction to give them some reorientation in their thinking. Chapter 7's been all about marriage. He's been talking to different groups. And it began with this statement, it's better for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That seems to be something that is running amok in their church. And people, because of that, are deciding not to get married or to divorce from marriage or even live in marriage, but in celibacy. And there's just a lot of confusion and people don't know what to do. They want to be spiritual. They don't want to be sinning, but they're they're going on some bad theology. So Paul talked to the married couples in verses one through seven. He said, if you're married, then live in a healthy relationship. Don't be celibate because that's only going to get you into trouble. You know, if you want to break off things for a period mutually agreed for prayer, then do it, but then immediately get back together in a healthy relationship. Verses eight and nine, he talked to widows and widowers, and he said, you're free to remarry. I think it'd be better if you don't, but if you can't live single, then get married. Then in verses 10 and 11, he talked to married couples. He said, stay married, don't get divorced. In verses 12 to 16, he talked to people who were believers, but married to unbelievers. And his advice to them was stay married and don't seek a divorce. Then he had a little excursion talking about slave and free, Jew and Gentile. His point there was, his theme to stay in the state you were. And his point being that you don't have to change your status to follow Christ. Sometimes you can change your status. If you're single, you can get married. If you're married, you can't get a divorce. But if you're a slave, you can seek your own freedom. But you don't have to do any of those things to serve Christ. You can serve Christ the way you were when Christ called you to follow him. In the last section, he started talking to engaged couples. And the issue seems to be that there's pressure from people in the church to engaged couples to call off the engagement or never actually go through with 
the marriage because it's more spiritual to be single. And their whole issue is this uh, trying to be super spiritual. And their point being that we're, we're just too spiritual for marriage. Marriage links us to a person. We're, we're followers of God. And we're just too spiritual for marriage. And, and I say that with a bit of air about it, because that seems to be the way they're operating. And so he's talking to these uh, couples who are engaged. And he says, you're free to do whatever you want here. I think you could better follow God if you were single, because you you get married. You're free to get married. But if you do, you will have trouble, because you've entered a whole nother aspect into your life of trouble and you're going to want to please your spouse and that can sometimes interfere with pleasing God. Now this is the people who want to fully follow God. Most people choose to get married or not get married, have children not get have children out of selfish desires, making their own desires satisfied, not in order to serve God. So we gotta be real careful trying to apply these principles to our lives because generally we're well, try to do things for our own selfish desires. But his point there is you're free to get married. Because he's pushing it back against the Corinthians who are trying to tell these people don't get married. But he is telling them, but if you don't get married, you are in a better position to fully serve God. Now he's wrapping things up here in verses uh, 36 through 40. This finishes off chapter 7. Verse 36, he says, if any man thinks he's acting improperly toward the virgin he's engaged to, if she's getting beyond the usual age for marriage, feels he should marry, he can do what he wants. He's not sinning. They can get married. Now, we've got to be careful we don't try to pour our own meanings into this, because if a man thinks he's acting improperly toward the virgin he's engaged to, what would be acting improperly? I think what Paul's actually getting at is there's people in the church pressuring them to not get married. And so he may think he's acting improperly by wanting to get married. Or he may think in his own heart guilty that he's stringing her along and not going through with the marriage. So it has to do with the act of getting married here. It's not that he's engaged in any illicit activity. It's about the decision point going forward to get married because he's probably under a lot of pressure by these super spiritual people who are saying, oh, if you really want to be spiritual, don't go through with it. Don't go through with it. And so he's thinking, you know, am I acting properly or not here? And Paul says, well, go ahead and get married. And as this, um, it gets translated here, she's getting beyond the usual age for marriage. There's a, that entire phrase, getting beyond the usual age for marriage is a single word. And it's a very difficult word that appears nowhere else in the Bible and could even be applied to the man. It's, a, it's an adjective that I'm not sure which noun it should get applied to, the, the woman or the man. But the whole point here is if for whatever reason he's thinking he really ought to get married, but he's not sure and he's afraid that he's not doing things right. Paul says, well, you can get married. Then verse 37, he speaks to the man who might not get married. Interesting the way he phrases this. He says, so, but he who stands firm in his heart, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and has decided in his heart to keep her as his fiancée, will do well. 
four ways he describes this. That he stands firm in his heart. That is, he has fully decided on his own, who is under no compulsion. That means he is not being pressured by anybody, but has control over his own will. That is, he's fully in control of his decision and has decided in his heart. That is, he's again, he's fully, four ways Paul describes this as this is his decision. He's not bowing to pressure from these super spiritual people in the church who are trying to convince him to see things their way. Well, Paul four times says it's his decision, his decision, his decision, his decision. Then he can go ahead and just remain engaged. Keeper is his fiance. That's a weird situation to be in, but the whole point here is Paul's talking about decision-making and motivations. Verse 38. So then, he who marries his fiancée does well, but he who does not marry will do better. Now remember, this is not Paul saying, thus saith the Lord. This is Paul saying, we have no instructions from the Lord on this, but this is my opinion. This is my advice. Paul made that very clear. So it's good advice, and we need to take heed of his advice. So he's not saying it's better to be married or unmarried. He's saying you have to decide in your own mind, and he's linking it to the situation in Corinth. So you can't really take this and run with it. There are principles here of if you get married, your spouse's happiness is a major part of your life, and you do have something of a a divided desire to please between your spouse and the Lord. But if you marry the right person, they are much closer together and pleasing your spouse pleases the Lord and your spouse is pleased when you please the Lord. That's why it's so important you do marry someone who loves the Lord much as you do. Verses 39 and 40 shifts gears a little bit here. He kind of stops talking to the engaged couple. He says, a wife is bound as long as her husband is living. But if her husband dies, she's free to be married to anyone she wants, only in the Lord. But she's happier if she remains as she is, in my opinion. I think that I also have the Spirit of God. So he goes back to kind of his overall picture of marriage. That marriage is for life. It's a lifelong commitment. He says, a wife's bound as long as her husband is living. So she cannot divorce him. But if her husband dies, so a widow, she's free to be married to anyone she wants. So here he first gives the example of if a woman's husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wants. Then he adds, only in the Lord. Now what's that mean? I think it simply means only a believer. That if a widow wants to be remarried, She's a believer. Only marry a believer. And that's a principle for anyone. If you're a believer, only marry a believer. And you just have to have that drilled into you as a non-negotiable fact of life. But if you've already done it, well, then that's, that's life. Then doesn't mean you can't love that person. And he says, she's happier she remains as she is. That is single, in my opinion. I think I also have the spirit of Lord. So he's adding here, he's making sure he's making it clear. This is his opinion. 
that uh, she's better off to remain single. That way she's not trying to please her husband, which can sometimes bump up against trying to please the Lord. And then he adds as a little dig to the Corinthians. And I think that I also have the Spirit of God, because these are people who think they're so spiritual. We're so spiritual. We're too spiritual for marriage. Paul's saying, you want some spiritual? I'll show you some spiritual. This is my opinion, but I think I have a little leg up on you in the spirituality department. So through all this, don't look at it as rules. Look at it as principles. The principles are marriage is incredibly important. If you're married, don't be looking for a way to get out of it. Look for a way to serve God in it. Look for a way to honor God in it, to glorify God in it, to grow in the Lord in that marriage. Even if you're married to an unbeliever, as he said, I talked about that section, he says, hey, you're the closest many people are going to get to seeing Christ at work in their lives. Don't be looking for a way to get out of the marriage. And if you are married, have a, a normal, healthy sexual relationship within that marriage. If you're engaged, this is a special case with the Corinthian church. We have these engaged couples who are being pressured by the church to not go through with it. So what Paul's saying to them pretty much is very specific to that instance. But the, the principles are, if you want to get married, get married. If you don't want to get married, you want to devote yourself to service to God, then, then by all means, do that. You don't be pressured to get married. So this is Paul's position on marriage and divorce. And this is a specific question. He began this with answering some questions you have. So this is something they've specifically asked him about. because It's a specific problem in this church. As we continue in chapter 8, he'll start talking about another question they have. So come back with me next time, and we'll look at chapter 8. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Corinthians.